Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. And today we're going to have a second episode of a mini-series that we are developing on the Regulation 1141-2014, the one that regulates the statute and funding of European political parties and European political foundations, like our own, of course, the European Liberal Forum. We already had one episode, and that is episode 75 where we had Tommy Huttman, the executive director of the Wilfred Martin Center for European Studies, and Daniel Kadic, the executive director of ELF, where we talk about public consultation to amend the regulation and how can that change the future of political foundations and their work on Europe. For this episode, we have the special uh, privilege of having MEP Rainer Wieland, He's a lawyer from Stuttgart, vice president and member of the European Parliament and the EPP group. He's a member of the Committee of Constitutional Affairs and the Committee of Budgets. Mr. Willen became an expert on regulations governing European political parties and foundations and is currently working as a co-rapporteur together with Renew Europe MEP Charles Gurens in AFCO and on the report on the application of Regulation 1141-2014 on the statute and funding of European political parties and European political foundations. Mr. Willand was furthermore co-rapporteur on the previous report on the First Amendment to the regulation in 2018, together with the SND MEP Mercedes Bresso, and even followed the emergence of Regulation 1141-2014 2014 as a shadow rapporteur for EPP Group in 2013 in the lead committee FCO, known also as the Janku Report. So it's a privilege to have Mr. Willen on the podcast. I'm also very happy to have Daniel Kadek with us today because we're going to get into political foundations and political parties, particularly in a part that relates to funds and economic help. This is very important and one of the things that it's under review right now on Regulation 1141-2014. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of August. So with no further ado, I bring you Daniel Kadek and Mr. Rainer Willand. I'm here with Daniel Kadek and... Mr. Rainer Wieland. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Always a pleasure, Ricardo. Hello, everybody. Mr. Wieland, I'm going to start with you because uh, this is a conversation about a topic that you know very well. And maybe we can start with intuitively people understand why we need political parties. But political foundations, it is something that deserves a little more scrutiny and a little more information to the public. So let's start with that. Tell us why do we need political foundations? Well, I think as everybody understands that um, we need political parties or, I mean, others in some countries are talking about movements and other things and uh, there is a different um, uh, solutions in, uh, there are different solutions in some member states, but uh, more or less um, in the national context, um, 
people understand uh, that we need um, a political parts, part, part, parties or organized political players as a part of forming the political will in the population, but also the other way the, uh, the other way around to pick up uh, opinions and and um, um, positions of, of, of people. And uh, this is also a part of, um, um, let's say, of a, of a national um, publicity, um, uh, uh, agora, or however you would want to name it. And I think um, nobody, uh, nobody will contest the uh, the opinion that we need the same one on on European level, um, and possibly possibly more than ever, and and, and more than uh, elsewhere. Um, because it's a bracket uh, to understand all, all all that, and and in Europe we have um, we have also forces that um, that the, the 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 forces and the opinion are diverging, and, and and we have a lot of cultures, and it's it's much it's very important to 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 have mutual understandings, and for that I think the the parties can be an important engine. It's a very good point about forces that are divergent, and we can touch about that in a minute. But before that, I'll go to Daniel. And of course, Daniel, you're biased, naturally so. You are the executive director of the European Liberal Forum. And tell us what is uh, your main thoughts on this topic. Well, um, as Rainer Wieden, I share, um, well, not, not a common history, but we share a common trait. We're both Germans. And especially as Germans, we know um, that there is a general fallacy that in, in democracies, especially in Western democracies at, at this time. And that is that democracy as we know it right now is very often now seen as the natural state. It is not the case. It is something that had been worked for, that had been fought for for a very long time and has developed for a very long time. The same goes for Europe. The European Union that we see now and hopefully we'll see in the future is not the natural state. It is something that has to be worked and be fought for. But in order to do that, and then I'm picking up what Rana Vilen said, we need political will building by the people, for the people. And for this, we need information. Information must come not only via schools, but especially also from political actors like political parties, but also from political foundations. And um, foundations are very often described as fringe organizations. I don't like that word too much. I, I really much prefer the German word Vorfeldorganisation, mm -hmm. which I think sums it up a lot better because it means um, the things that are coming before and around the party. So it's very not only interconnected, but it also means it lays the ground. And it lays the ground indeed for creating active citizens, political foundations, and play a vital part in creating a European political arena with active citizens that can make their voices heard. And that is why we need um, this on the national level parties and foundations, but also and especially on the European level, because we see that there is a clear lack and demand. And we already had a podcast on this that you can find um, on the European Liberal Forum website. I'm going to put the link on the show notes. It has to do with Regulation 1141-2014, which is going a revision now 
This is regulation on the statute and funding of European political parties and political foundations. And from the perspective of a member of European Parliament, Mr. Willand, why this regulation? Why the need to change it? What's going on? So I think you you touched um, uh, something very important. If if you look to the whole thing, you have to, of course, you have to differ between how many should be um, uh, invested by the public um, funds to the parties. Sec second thing is how you're doing. Yeah. Um, um, the third thing is for what the parties are getting that. And if we look to the middle thing, which says how we are doing it, I see clearly since years, um, uh, I, 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 I observed that from the sidelines in, in those days, um, uh, I, I ever saw uh, huge shortcomings um, in how we are going to calculate um, uh, what share the parties and which parties um, should get money and what a European party is. Mm -hmm. First of all, I think we are much too complicated um, by register parties. I think the only benchmark should be, uh, is a party um, taking part uh, in the European elections, yes or no? If yes, then they met the, the, the requirements and that then it, it's not a formal registration or in the other case deregistration uh, necessary so do they run for parliament or are they about or are they they really solidly um, approaching the next um, elections the second point is we, we we in the moment we relied on members of parliament and 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 we we uh, every year we calculated new and this somehow i mean people also use uh, always use loopholes to to bypass a system. But you see sometimes a situation where a member of parliament is saying, oh, what if I'm, I change the political uh, group? Um, and, and, and sometimes this is the base for that is uh, our sorts of bargains we, we all would not appreciate. And uh, one thing is the money of the, for the groups in the house. This is one thing. But if you make a direct link to the parties, I do not think this is appropriate anymore. I believe we should come to a system where the party family um, um, is, is, is looked at how many uh, votes they got in the last European elections. And this is the benchmark. And if some, in somehow for 2020, by the end of the year, um, the, the party X in the country Y says, ah, we do not feel any more uh, comfortable in that party family, we are going to change. And it's, a, it's an ordinary process then they take their votes with them. But if they go somewhere into, into nowhere, um, then I think the, part, the, the votes should remain by the original uh, party. And um, I think this is a new approach. Um, I have not calculated it, but I think the majority of the voters in Europe are voting more or less under something like that system. Um, uh, and, and then we have other um, um, uh, problems which are huge, and it's um, they are very appropriate to damage the uh, the image of the European Parliament and the polit and politics as a whole. We saw people just pre pretending they are building a European Party, but it's not really a European Party. It's only a system to grab money. And when we mm -hmm. and when we trapped them after two years and we asked the money back, then nobody is there anymore 
um, um, and, and there is minus in the budget and we cannot get the money back. Uh, but meanwhile, those the same people uh, are going to found the next party and coming at it, standing again in front of the door and said, oh, we are, we are a European party. We, we, we have the right to get money. And I want to stop. I, I'm going to I would like to stop that and just would say if a party is bankrupt, then the deficit is paid by the by the money which comes for the rest of the legislature. If a party is bankrupt and has no successor, then the whole is financed with the money which is originally foreseen. If a party has a successor, the successor has to take the debt and has to go into all what the old party has done. And so I believe we save a lot of money. Uh, we, we close possibly the biggest loophole we have, just found a party, drive them into the abyss, take the money and found the next one. We, we will, with the new legislation, we will stop that definitely. It looks like fraud. Well, uh, name it like, uh, like it is, it's not desirable. Yeah, well, the, if of course a political project can fail, that is true. But the way you are explaining looks like that is a way to generate money and then not be accountable for it. So, good thing that we're change, we're, we're working to change that. It 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 is less. It is less. It is less than ten percent. Um, it happens. Of course, we do not have only a white sheep. We also have um, a black sheep, and we have. Um, uh, we have uh, gray sheep, uh, but we want to squeeze out the black sheep, uh, and we want to do. We do not want to give them more room. This is why I said we have shortcomings there, and um, I don't want to have it um, uh, anymore. The the point is, I, I mean, people. Uh, I, I always advertise to understand that uh, because human beings are weak. Yeah, um, the, uh, the 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 difference why our system is better that. At the end of the day, it comes out, and if it comes out, the person who told it is going home, and the person who done it goes to prison. In other systems, the person who done it goes home, and the person who told it goes to prison or to cemetery. Yeah. So, um, uh, and this is the big difference. And we try to name and shame. We try to avoid loopholes, and that we are uh, that that is what we are going to do. Indeed, that's that's a very very uh, good point about the frailties uh, of human nature. Only that will be just a podcast on itself. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to throw it to you because we're going to recenter now on the effects that the regulation has on political foundations. I, I think um, there were a couple of important points that were made, and I think we we have to understand one thing: legislative text, and especially the regulation 1141/2014, is not a divine text. Um, there were some trials and errors, and there are some errors also in, in the way it is being implemented. What we see right now indeed leaves some loopholes that both makes parties, foundations, but also the European Parliament not look good every once in a while. Um, if we have, like Rana Wieland said, um, um, parties that go bust and we, uh, the money cannot collect it, we have a potentially fraudulent um, system, some areas that, that needs to be addressed. At the same time, parts of the regulation or the interpretation of the regulation better always overshoot. Um, let's take, for instance, the case that um, we should be part of the political will building of the people. However, 
um, if we try to work with people who potentially could stand in future elections, um, that is seen with at least one raised eyebrow by the authorities. Um, and there is there is a, a new balance to strike and um, new clarifications to make. Um, I think it, it is very, very clear that we need the checks and balances because if we do not implement them, we may, we ridicule ourselves. If we do not accept that ourselves and go then to countries where rule of law, anti-corruption mm. are not so prevalent and then preach that and then they can just uh, point the fingers back to us and say, hey, um, you're not doing that themselves. So that's something that we very much need to avoid. However, we need to um, put the system in place that works for all of us. And there's an interesting distinction that needs to be made between parties, which can be a little bit more, let's say, fluent, um, that can change a little bit more. We have seen just um, in the last week the big discussion about um, the new right-wing alliance um, that came from different parties, from different, um, yeah, let's call it uh, families. Um, so we have that on the one side that is a little bit more volatile on the party level, but the ideology, uh, ideological side is a little bit more fixed, meaning the liberal core remains liberal. The EPP slash conservative core remains conservative. Same goes for the Social Democrats. And there we need to see what is the mechanism that we need to apply, what is the balance that we can strike um, for that to make that work for both sides. And I think, again, there is one charming factor about what Anna Vilen said about a new potential way of calculating is that it does not discriminate anymore. Um, it doesn't discriminate anymore against smaller and especially upcoming political forces. Because the system right now is a little bit rigid when it comes to that. If there is a new party that doesn't just barely not make the threshold, but all but um, had other the other boxes ticked, it is still out, even though that might be something that is crucial or at least mm -hmm. um, an interesting point for the further development of the political societies. That is clearly the point. I didn't want to become um, um, to become so long, but uh, this is clearly. Uh, one of the advantages of the new system um, uh, that uh, the the vote the vote counts and um, that we that we insert some thresholds where newcomers on the European level are incented, but also if a member state if a member if a party says okay uh, up to now we will not um, they are competing new then they contribute at least with some votes to the uh, to the party. And uh, the party can say, okay, we, we helped you. This is another point, how the European level can help and influence to the national level. I think we should also be a bit more liberal on that. The, the, the old legislation uh, pretends that political people are um, um, uh, aseptic um, um, uh, animals, um, um, uh, or, or, or at least we try that they are. I mean, uh, the EPP, we forced Martin Schulz uh, seven years ago. We asked him uh, why you are going to Portugal. Um, um, and he said, well, I go to P Portugal as a president. Um, um, he said, yes, but at the, in the afternoon before you went to the airport, you, you hold a very speed, uh, strong speech to, to trade unions. Yes, it was accidentally I had, um, uh, I had time. So I, I think it's the, this is too 
too elaborated. I mean, in Germany, it's very normal. If you have a Landtagswahl um, in, in Mecklenburg-Vorpommern and the prime minister from um, um, uh, from Thüringen, um, Die Linke, he says, I want to go to there and hold an important speech. And the question is only uh, that the state is not paying that, that but that the party and the par it could pay the party on the on the national level, it could pay the party in Thüringen or it could, could pay the party in Mecklenburg-Vorpommern. So they have they have to deal with it, and it's their business. It's not the business party funding authority um, how they have sorted that out. Daniel, do you want to react what uh, Mr. Willen just said? No, I, I think I think that that is an interesting point. Politics doesn't happen in the vacuum. Political work does not happen in the vacuum, and that is something that we have to acknowledge. And that goes both for political parties and political foundations. Of course, when I'm as party representative or prime minister of X in country Y, and there is an election coming, of course I'm going to say that if uh, to support my 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 colleague there. Um, but also the same goes by by the way then for for foundations. I mean we don't operate in a vacuum. We try to excite people to get into politics. We try to equip people to go into politics. And if we are like it is in the system right now, then punished potentially for preparing people so well that they actually stand an election. And this is something that is problematic. There is um, uh, currently a, a phrase and that is uh, knowledge capital um, that, that's going around. If knowledge capital is built up for people that could potentially use that in a future um, scenario of elections, that this would be illegal candidate party or campaign financing. And there is um, a six degree of separation um, kind of abstraction that I find questionable, especially looking at the political reality. Again, we are not operating in the vacuum. We want to prepare people to stand there and therefore we need to look at the little something that I like to call reality. This is something indeed that should and must be addressed also by the update of the regulation, I could see that um, both the rapporteurs and, and also uh, AFCO, the committee in the European Parliament, um, have already looked in, into that kindly, that it will be a more life or reality-centered piece of legislation. To, because to say it once more again, the European Union that we have and the European Union especially that we want to have, thinking about the Conference on the Future of Europe, is nothing that comes bestowed from a divine power. This is something that we need to work for. In order to work for it, people need to know about um, European Union and what is necessary. And that goes way beyond um, the um, commissions and the, the parliament's um, info points uh, in uh, Unter den Linden uh, in Berlin, but it must come from a deep understanding and a deep connection. And this deep connection understanding can only be done via exposure and education. And that is political will building, and that is why we need parties and foundation and a clear mandate also for both. Mm -hmm. Daniel, you do know that reality has a well-known liberal bias. Yeah, maybe tell that to the people every once in a while. <laughs> well, they seem to forget it. <laughs> we keep trying to do that here in the podcast. Mr. Willen, as we're getting to the end of our time, there was a public consultation on the regulation. It is closed now. We actually, we incentivized people to go there and express their opinion. For your very privileged point of view, how do you think that this will shape the future of 
what is the statue and the funding of political parties and political foundations going now into the next decade? I, I, I think we, we, we will have a, a major shift. Um, uh, of course, we also will, will make mistakes and, and uh, I mean, time is changing. And so in, also in this reg regulation, possibly in five years' time, you need new, new corrections and new elements and, and, and those things because political life looks different than 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, so I, I would be I would be very open on that, but I I, I think we we will have um, uh, an additional shift, and and I want to have more interaction between uh, the member states level and the European level, also in the parties. Um, um, our element will be that the that the European par uh, political parties can do more in in the field in the member states, and the only restriction is are the general regulation for the for for acting of parties in the member states um, and then I clearly want to say a second thing for me we we have I mean in gender gender issues are very important but we in the moment we tend ex explicitly on that field we extend very much on gender and something what we completely forget is the democratic structure we we, we, we do not accept only women or only men then we accept that a list is done by only one person in a party. And I think we need more democracy in the party. And possibly this is, um, we, we should have the screws uh, in the legislation, but possibly we should improve that um, in the course of the next five years also. The perception of the inner organizational democratic structure of the parties, there is a big deal of improvement. Daniel, uh, throwing to you now, also from a wish list that you may have, what could be a positive change, particularly for someone like you that is an executive director of a political foundation? Yeah, indeed, we, we are a bit different animals than, than parties because we do not directly influence um, legislation. We um, do not have the same exposure and but also not the same risk as political parties come have when it comes to, let's say, internal dictatorship um, that also then influences society at large. Um, we are indeed um, think tanks, foundations, and in core, we are assemblies of, of like-minded people um, where it's relatively easy to govern the inner workings of it because we don't make lists. When it comes to my wishes, it's pretty clear. From, from our side, it's a clear mandate to do the work. On the one hand, to come up with policy solutions like we do, European policy solutions, answers to questions that we have as a European Union, but also preparing people to stand in the political arena, and prepare people to get excited about Europe. And this is something that we are missing so much European Union, unfortunately, and this is something I've been discussing since I was a student, has been a technical project. When I was asked my professor for European studies back in the day, what is the European Union? And he told me, well, the European Union is a political body, sui generis. Well, that, that doesn't help me. I'm getting excited about it. It doesn't help me promoting it. So. We have the political parties and foundations, we have the Conference on the Future of Europe, and we need to synthesize 
indeed this European policy, political arena, this policy arena, creating this European demos, otherwise we have a big problem. And we see the cracks that are appearing more and more with Hungary, with Poland, Bulgaria, which I would make five exclamation points behind that at the moment. So we have a value problem, we have a, an excitement problem, and that is something that we can only uh, counterbalance if we have strong political players with a clear mandate and also with the respective backing for that. I mean, there is a lot of money poured into the info points at the moment, which are interesting. But where I ask myself, is that really enough? So can the European political foundations become something like what is uh, in Germany called Bundeszentrale für politische Bildung? That is not only looking at the different facets of um, political ideology, but also promotes the core ideas of the union and also have a clear mandate for that. And I mean, of course, there are a lot of technicalities that I don't want to bore our listener with um, when it comes to the change of the IFRS to the local gap and back. But um, there's one thing that, I'm, that I find very interesting, and that is uh, something I think that we need to really look at. And that is a genuine European legal personality for foundations and parties, because right now they are, let's say, political hermaphrodites. They're both national organizations. We are registered in Belgium, like most parties and foundations, but they're also European beings. And there is not only some conflict, but there's also an impression problem. So what are we? Um, and this is something that, that also should be should be clarified. But apart from that, I'm glad that we have this project, this process right now. And probably, as Rainer Wieland said, we will in five years' time talk again about that. Well, we kind of have to, because AFCO needs to look at the regulation and the performance of the foundations and the parties and evaluate again under the new changed reality. Mr. Wieland, I'm going to thank you so much for coming to the pod. It was a privilege to have you here and I'm going to ask you to please leave us then with some final thoughts and also if you can how can people uh, follow this process and be more active and more knowledgeable about it the AFCOF can be followed I accept that that it's uh, possibly very complicated um, to follow it in this very legislation because we we do um, uh, we want to do a lot at a time together with the Commission because we want to have it in the publication um, um, in, in spring in order to have um, uh, the new legislation applied in 2023, because we think it's not a good start if the first application would be in 2024. So somehow we are in, in a hurry, um, but I, well, this is not a miracle. We, we are doing it's a major shift with some new screws and I clearly can sign up um, what Mr. Kadik um, also said, um, I, I'm a great supporter of the foundations, but the, the main entrance uh, for this funding system are the parties, and then uh, a sort of side pack, but not, not sidelined, uh, are the foundations. And with other regulation, because the foundations have a different role, the parties are biting, barking, blaming, and uh, bargaining, yeah, what what the um, uh, what what the foundations are not doing, so they need in some in some respects 
they have to be more open to people. So if they make a seminar, not only liberals or not, not only CDU people are allowed, uh, are allowed to join, um, they have to be a bit neutral, particularly in front of the elections. But on in other terms, in other um, um, perspectives, they are much more free um, than, than the parties and they should not pressed in a system oscillating with the election results so they should have a smoothing factor that not every bad result um, brings them to the abyss and not any good re result delivers champagne to Mr. Kadik. A privilege to have this conversation and it's, it's just starting as we uh, presented to our listeners and it was great to have uh, Mr. Uh, Rainer Willen here with us. So thank you again so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you also, Daniel, for making the time to talk to us. And uh, this is to, to be continued and to be followed very closely. So again, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you very much, Ricardo. Thank you, Mr. Wieland. And just Mr. Wieland, for information, you're always welcome at our seminars, even though you are a CDU member. I knew that, thank you. I'm back. Just reminded that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of August. On the 12th of August, based in Poland, in Krakow, we have Free Voices, LGBT plus rights in Eastern Europe. Year 2021 has been 30 years since the democratic revolution in Eastern Europe. 91 was full of symbolic events in the region. Eastern Europe went on path of economic growth and institutional reforms. It was rewarded over one decade later with EU membership. But there is a field where not much progress has been made, and this is LGBTQ rights. Eastern Europe has for all these years been in the spotlight because of the policies targeting LGBTQ community. Experts in this panel will highlight Europeans continuing east-west divide over these rights. This is an organization from our friends in Poland of Project Polska, and some of the speakers will be, for example, Monika Rosa, MP from Nova Szczesna Party, also Paweł Rabiej, former deputy mayor of Warsaw, and Jurgen Guyana from LGBTI Liberals from Europe. To know more about this event, you just have to go to liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament. And the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily...